Hi, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and you are listening to the 401k Specialist Podcast, a news and information resource to help 401k advisors optimize their business and outperform for their clients. This week, we are joined by RIA, author, host of the SALT Conference, and all-around personality, Anthony Scaramucci, once a major Trump supporter and now a major Trump critic. Anthony is here to discuss alternative investments, 401ks, and macro events happening across the country. Anthony, we'll talk 401ks and then some of the larger issues in a minute, but one thing that caught me by surprise is that you told Andrew Yang that you were all in on the stimulus and actually thought it was too small to begin with. I've always known you as a free market guy, so how do you reconcile that? I know we need some stimulus, but why so much? Why so big? Well, you're at war. And so I, I think what, what happens is when you're looking at our society and you're studying civilization over 5,500 years, um, and if you're the purest of conservatives and the most libertarian, the government is there as an insurance policy to create safety for people. Obviously, they have to pave roads and they have to, uh, you know, make for a safe and civil society. Uh, but when you're at war, you need help from the government. And so uh, if you look at deficit spending during wartime for the United States, it is range bound around 20 to 22 percent. And so if you're forcing people uh, to shelter at home, and we can debate whether or not that was a good decision, but let's just stipulate for this conversation that that decision was made, you're taking people out of their jobs. And unfortunately, as you and I both know, white collar people can survive. They can operate remotely, but hourly workers and blue collar people, they cannot survive. And so uh, you got to help them out. And so same way you'd have to build planes and bombs and tanks to defeat the Nazis, you're going to have to put a, a system together to, to defeat the virus and to get America back up on its feet. And we'll get back to some of the macroeconomic issues here in just a minute, but getting back to 401ks, um, do you think that there's ever going to be the widespread offering of alternative investments in the 401k menu? And by alternative investment, you know, the definition, because I know sometimes these terms vary, but I'm talking about, if this makes sense, traditional alternative investments, the managed futures, the fund of funds, the mm -hmm. REITs, that kind of a thing. And do they belong there? Well, I mean, I think it's hard because, uh, you know, when you're when you and I are thinking of 401ks, having listened to your your stuff, you're the universal man. You're you're looking at 401ks for all people, all walks of life and all, uh, you know, net worths, if you will. And I think one of the problems with alternatives, the SEC decided long ago that you had to have certain criteria uh, they're using money versus intelligence. That's fine. But they're saying you have to be worth a certain amount of money or make a certain amount of money in order to uh, put your money in these things because they're viewed to be riskier. The case of hedge funds or private equity, they're at least longer term. And so a result of which you have to be careful to make sure that uh, people understand those uh, th those risks. So I'm going to say no to that. What about some of the newer quote unquote alternative investments, right? And I mean that term in a different way, but you know, you've got in our industry anyway, a lot of older advisors, the average age, they're getting up there. Uh, they're not spring chickens and they've got some uh, moral issues with offering things like cannabis stocks, uh, Bitcoin, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, but yet their younger millennial clients are demanding them and it almost becomes a fiduciary issue. Do you think that we're going to see a lot more of those types of investments in 401k menus? Uh, I think that's more likely. 
uh, I think that uh, I think that's going to become more commonplace, and I think that is more likely. You know, my guess. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know the timing of stuff like that, but I, uh, but I think that you're right. Uh, you know, I've got clients of mine that are in their 80s, and they have their assistants reading them their email. They couldn't log on to the email if their life depended on it, and right. then they're dictating yep. back an email. You, fo- you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's, you know, I mean, that's that's what happens. I'm I'm probably, uh, you know, I guess I'm a luddite in the respect that I don't have an Instagram account or a Facebook account, but I primarily don't have those because I'm a I would be addicted to them and it would be too time consuming to be on those. <laughs> you're you, certainly you, you, a Twitter, you know what I mean? You're definitely a, have a Twitter account. That's for sure. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a Twitter account because uh, the lunatic in chief has a Twitter account. And so you have to be, have other voices out there expressing what is actually really going on as opposed to his reality distortion. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to be a participant in Twitter. Yep. Um, but, but what I would say to you is that like, uh, that has to happen. You know, uh, I don't, I don't see like, if you, you didn't ask me this question, but I'll answer it is Bitcoin and digital assets. Are they here to stay? And I think the answer to that is definitionally yes. Will there be asset classes around that? Will there be a way to invest in that in 401ks? Absolutely. Because you and I are talking to somebody right now, they're in their car, they're 30 years old or they're commuting they're 30 years old and they're like, yeah, I want some of that on my 401k. That's a growth area and I want to invest in growth. So the president often uses the 401k as a proxy to identify with the, uh, with the every man and the every woman, but he's been obviously awfully quiet lately on that front. Anthony, mm-hmm. what, uh, what are you seeing? When are we going to get a return to normal, whatever that means, but what are we going to get back when we, lo- what we lost here? Is it going to be kind of, you know, un- a lifting of the, the pandemic restrictions and it all comes flying back or is it going to be longer, longer term? So I'm in the, I'm in the veer shaped recovery camp. Uh, I think that these U-er shape, it's going to take 10 years and this sort of stuff I think is exaggerated. I think we have, systems now, technology systems, just-in-time inventory systems. We have an economy that uh, can be dialed back up pretty aggressively. I'll just point out to everybody in this podcast, if you really analyze the PPP, there's $870 billion deployed. So that's 115% of the Pentagon's expenditure. It went out the door in about eight weeks. It takes the Pentagon a year to deploy seven hundred and Thirty billion dollars. So you have to think about the magnitude of that. And if you look at the covenants, the people have to be hired back into those companies for those loans to be forgivable. So uh, the Skybridge Economic Team estimated that 41 million people are tied to those loans. 17 million of them are currently unemployed. So if we can get to economic normalization and those small businesses in your local town open up the restaurants open up, you'll see that delta. You'll see unemployment going down precipitously uh, very, very quickly. And then you'll start to see a rise in uh, economic growth, economic activity, and then confidence will restore to the markets. So I've got to give it to you a little bit here, Anthony. You've told us multiple times that Elizabeth Warren had less than 1% chance, your words, of uh, ever occupying the Oval Office. You know, obviously, if she's on the Democratic ticket, she's a stone's throw away. So do you want to update that prediction yeah. at all? 
Is she, is she, you, you think she's the vice presidential candidate? Well, she's a possibility. That's all I'm saying. I, let's put it this way. I yeah. think that the, the odds oh. are, are now yeah. above 1%. I mean, there was no, there was no way she could, I mean, if she's the vice presidential candidate, he'll likely lose the election. You know, uh, I think that would be a terrible pick for him. But, but I, I think that, uh, what, what I meant is, was, what do you think is the right there's no way she was going to, she was going to win a presidential primary with her nonsense. Right. There's no way. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, look, I mean, he picks her. Uh, he's really doing himself a disservice. He's, he's kicking Trump's ass in from his basement. And he's played Trump like a fiddle, which he's never taken Trump's bait. He's never done all the stupid things that the other 17 or 18 establishment politicians did. Okay, they fell right into Trump's traps. Joe Biden hasn't done that. Right. But he picks Elizabeth Warren. You know, you've got a, uh, you know, you got a recipe for disaster for him. Who do you think he should pick? Okay, and well, I think it's impossible. The person I want him to pick, I think it's impossible for him to pick now because of what's going on. But I would hold my nose and still pick her. I would. It would be. It would be political courage on his part. It's uh, Amy Klobuchar. Okay. So he won't pick her now because of the consensus in his party that because of the race war in Minnesota and the fact that she did not prosecute that cop. Right. When she was the DA there, she had the opportunity to prosecute that cop and 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 she didn't prosecute him. That would be a big cause celeb for the uh, the Trump guys. Now, and by the way, I'm going to help. I'm going to help him no matter what. I'm going to campaign in those white ethnic areas of of Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. You know, my family's originally from the coal mining area, you know, Scranton, Wilkesbury, right where Vice President Biden was born. Right. I'm going to go into those areas and campaign for him because Trump is a systemic danger to the Constitution. He's a systemic danger to our society. He's mentally unstable at this point. And the fact that we have Republicans that are, they know better, there's a very large group of Republicans that know better that are willing accomplices uh, should strike fear in the hearts of people. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm no problem. I have no problem speaking out about it. I also predict that this schism in the Republican party will heal, but this is the worst schism that we've had since Ford and Reagan were going at it with each other in 1976. Right. Right. So let's uh, wrap up here on a positive note. Uh, tell me what's going on with salt and uh, with salt talks. It's uh, pretty interesting. You've got some incredible guests. Well, th thank you. Well, we, you know, we basically are extending what we do with our conference. Our conference business is 11 years old. We've had some very high profile people, two American presidents, six, uh, our vice president, that would be uh, Joe Biden and Vice President Al Gore. We've had uh, six secretaries of state, four de defense, uh, U.S. defense secretaries, four uh, U.K. prime ministers. So um, we're, we're General Kelly uh, will be with us later in the week. Uh, that that SOB fired me from the White House uh, <laughs> right. uh, three years ago. Uh, but we have become very, very close friends. I say that SOB in a very affectionate way. Sure. Uh, he's. He's an American patriot. He's a four-star general, a 40-year veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps. And unfortunately, uh, he lost his son in battle, his son Robert, uh, in Iraq um, uh, 10 or so years ago. And so I, I, I'm looking forward to our conversation. And, you know, and the goal is I can't get people right now to convene 
And so I'm going to try to do this on a weekly basis, two or three guests a week. And again, it's bipartisan. Valerie Jarrett is joining us. Uh, Ambassador Susan Rice, hopefully soon. Uh, you know, you and I are talking about deficit spending. Uh, Professor Kelton from Stony Brook, who wrote The Deficit Myth. Right. She's a modern monetary theorist. She'll be joining us. And then I obviously have some monitors uh, joining us from the you know, the Milton Friedman School of uh, Economics. So I'm really trying to create lots of bandwidth. We have a few sports owners that we're about to announce. They're not going to come on and talk about the future of sports. Of course, we had uh, uh, Mark Cuban, the owner of the uh, Mavericks, and also Shark Tank. He was our first guest. Yep. Uh, but I appreciate you bringing it up. I think it's a lot of fun for people. It's free. Just have to go to the salt.org website and register, and you can join our talks. And, uh, we've got a lot of a lot of fun people coming up, and I like asking them questions that uh, hopefully trigger them to uh, expose their thinking to our delegates in a way that maybe our delegates weren't thinking about those things prior to the conversation. Excellent. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. Thank you to our listeners. Once again, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist Podcast. 